0: This evening, the title that Laurie gave me was Desiring the Presence. Say it after me, Desiring the Presence. Again, Desiring the Presence. Right? And, and, and you can probably guess whose presence we're talking about. Well, yeah, or God. Okay, yep, yeah, okay. Just though, because, it's a, because there are a lot of young people here, I, I, I apologise at the beginning. Uh, some of this will be a bit more like a youth talk, all right? Um, I wasn't sure how many would turn up, so it's a bit ad lib. But think about that. So everyone, everybody, just think of someone who sometimes you want to see them. Sometimes you want to spend time with them. I mean, there are plenty of people in the world you don't want to spend time with, I guess. But try and think of someone who sometimes you think, I'd like to speak, see that person. Now, when you're, under, well, when you're young, that's very often a person of the other sex or whatever. Uh, that's okay. That's all right. But think of someone, someone you'd like to spend time with, right? Don't say, you're not going to say it out loud. So just think of someone. If you're married, it should be your husband or wife. No lorry. Okay. Just think of someone, and you think it may be someone. Yeah. Anyway, and then just think about how you can. How can I do that? If I want to spend time with that person, what sort of things could I do? What sort of things could I put in place to spend time with that person? So I'll give an example. I've got a, I've got a friend who. Uh, actually, I'm not, uh, I am weird. Say after me. Chris, you're weird. But I, And I'm this evening, to be fair, you're a lot of weird people as well. You're very weird because you were doing maths earlier, and I really like maths and physics. And I've got a friend who's just done a maths degree, and I like spending time with him because we talk about physics, and most people don't understand it at that sort of level. Is that weird? Yeah. Yes. But, I, but, you know, I'm very happy to go up to London and buy him a meal just to spend an evening talking about physics. Is that weird? A little bit, okay. I know people who want to spend time with, with coaches and things for their, for their sport I know people who spend one time with their with their, I say their wife or their girlfriend or their boyfriend and, and it's in good for us to spend time with people, if you've got a friendship or a relationship you've got to spend time with people and we're talking here about desiring the presence of Jesus what do we do to desire being close to Jesus now in one sense it's like a silly thing to say, because is where where is Jesus? Where can we find Jesus? Everywhere. Whereabouts? Same I mean, us. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to? Is that is that a thing? just hard to do or simple to do? It's a youth thing. You got to. It inv- can't sit there quietly. You have got to engage. Okay, I shall ask you questions, or I will put you in detention. I have the power. Is it easy thing or not? It's easier to do it more. See, see, if, no, sorry, Sam, sorry. How long, <laughs> how long have you been in this church, Sam? If it's, is it easy or is it hard? What's the answer to questions like that always? Yes, thank you very much. Okay? In one sense, it's incredibly easy. Because, my friends, Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, if you want to become my disciple, he says, well, come and we'll make a home with you. And when we come to Jesus and we ask to follow him, Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And that is like done. It's finished. It's sorted. It's like, it's, there's no work to do for that, really, at all. Jesus does all the hard stuff. He, gets, he goes dies on the cross and gets us forgiven, and he lives in us. And so in one sense, it's actually really easy to spend time with my friend Jesus. All I've got to do is say, Jesus, I need to talk to you. And in one sense, this is a silly topic. Thank you, Laurie. Because to say desiring the presence, if I want to see my friend Will, I've got to make an effort to go and see him in London. But but if I want to see my wife, I've got to book an appointment weeks in advance. But if I want to see Jesus, I just say, Lord Jesus, where are you? Let's talk. Yeah? It's so easy. And in one sense, there's nothing, you know, if you want to talk to Jesus, well, just do it. If you want to say Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need you to come with me in this situation, which is tricky, he's there with you. Quite, it's often really good. Again, um, some people know the guy. I took uh, walking. I like mountain walking. I like mountain climbing, and uh, I took a friend with me in September for my last trip, um, who, who I wanted to carry the rucksack because I'm getting a bit old. Say ah. ah, I'm getting a little bit old, and carrying heavy rucksacks is getting hard. Say ah. ah, and so I found a fit young person who wanted to go away as well, and I used my experience, and he carried all the heavy rucksacks. That clever. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, and, and you see, so, so me and my friend go and walk in. To, sometimes that's that situation in our lives. We want Jesus to walk with us. We want to know his presence next to us. We desire his presence with us because life's tough. We've got a situation that's tricky. But it's not like I've got to invite someone to come with me and, and make an effort and book a you know, time in my diary. Jesus is just there. So in one sense, desiring the presence of Jesus is really straightforward. But sometimes stuff gets in the way. Can you put the first photos on screen, can you? Please. Oh, that was quick. Was that there before? Were you ahead of me? Oh, Paul, you're wonderful. Okay. Uh, can Can we do this together? Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Paul's saying here, in Corinthians, he's talking, he's in the middle of a chapter talking about love. And in the middle of it, he says, look, actually, God God knows already, like past tense, that last bit, people. I'm fully known, God knows me fully. And Paul knew that Jesus lived in him. But nonetheless, sometimes it's quite hard to see clearly what's going on. Now, here's where it gets into a bit of the sort of clever stuff. The phrase that our Bible translates as reflect, poor reflection in a mirror, actually, uh, the word comes from the word enigma, enigmaia. And, and, and the, 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 the Greek, the original language, sort of says it's an obscure way of seeing. It. It's only used once in the New Testament, that word. And Paul's saying, looking at Jesus at God now, when we're like this... Eventually in heaven it will be straightforward, we'll see everything clearly. But now sometimes it's rather an obscure image, it's quite hard to see Jesus. It's quite hard to see who God is and what God's doing. And there's lots and lots of reasons for that. I love this picture by the way. The commentators get really carried away because they got this idea that when you look at God, you look forward at God. And so they're worried about the fact Paul used the picture of a mirror. When you look in a mirror, what are you looking at? Things this side, aren't you? You or behind you, get? And where's the image in the mirror? Bit of physics. Where do you see the person in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, when you look in the mirror, I'm here, there's the mirror, where do you think you are? Behind the mirror, yeah? Do you get? Now the commentators get really screwed up about this and worry about the fact, but it can't can't mean a mirror because you're looking at God. Ah, but I like the fact it's a mirror because you're looking at God who's actually in us and with us. When you're looking at God, in some senses, you're looking at what's in you. I like the idea that Paul's saying it's a mirror, looking back. Because when I look at CC, when I look at me, Lord Jesus lives in me. God lives in me. But seeing that image of God is a bit distorted. In Paul's day, they didn't have mirrors made with glass and silver on the back. They had polished metal, and they were rubbish mirrors. If you try and make mirrors out of polishing metal, it's really quite hard. They're always dented and wobbly. We're really lucky having very good quality mirrors. But in Paul's day, they were not good mirrors. You'd see a bit of what's going on, but it was really like slightly distorted. Now, that's the hard bit. The easy bit is that desiring Jesus' presence is very easy. He's always there. The hard bit is... That the whole stuff in the world and the fact we're busy and the fact we do stuff that's wrong and the fact we get so wound up in other stuff and there's there's people around us all the time, that tends to distort our view. We sometimes can't see God clearly. And if you sometimes feel like that, that's what Paul was saying. Sometimes it's hard to see clearly. The study this evening is really about Moses who... I'm going to read some text from Exodus 33. This is where I'd like you to have a Bible, if you can. If you haven't got a Bible, and go and find one. There's some big ones here. Get a, some of the pews. Find one. Exodus 33. Find Exodus 33. You've got a phone. That's fine as well. Try and use NIV, though, if you can. Exodus 33. It'll be on screen, but it'd be good to look at it as well, I think, in text. What I'm going to do... Good. What I'm going to do is, is just gonna take through this and talk about Moses' experience of dealing with God and wanting to know God's presence, desiring God's presence. And he and, and he starts off here, it's not like I say, it's yes, and is it hard to find God present or easy? Easy. He starts off talking to God. He doesn't start off with no understanding of God at all. He starts off talking to God. But he wants to know more. He desires to know more. And it starts off like this. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Stop there. Moses has been given a job. Lead the people of Israel. Right? It's quite a big job. At this point, he's not quite aware how big it is, but it's a big job. And, And he's been given this job. And his first thing he says, it's not actually the first thing he says, isn't, Lord, I want to see you more. The first thing he says is, What's he saying? What's he asking for in that first verse? Read it again. What's he asking God for? Charlotte? What's he asking for? Leave these people, but you have not let me know what? Who to leave? Who go with? Who who here, when you're doing something tricky, who likes to do it with a friend? Who so have you got something awkward coming up, some, like some difficult homework to do, tries to it with their friend? Friends are good. Do you not? Do you not like friends? <laughs> Alice Do you not like friends? I, 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 I think this is very human. I'm going to say, this is the deep theological thing. We're not going to have a lot of time on this. It's, the very interesting thing is that first Moses thing says, Who are you going to help me? Who's going to help me do this job? And God never answers that. In the whole text that follows, he doesn't say, oh, you can use this person or that person. When he's going to first commission Moses, he uses Aaron a bit. But here, God doesn't answer that question. Listen, friends, because in a way, all you need to solve the problems, to get through life, to win the victorious life, is to follow Jesus. Yeah? Friends are great. They'll come and go. The only friend you can absolutely guarantee on, hundred percent, all the time, is Jesus, or God, if you like. And I think Moses is going to learn that, These he's the one making a lot. Anyway, it goes on. I know you by name, and you have found. Fa- sorry, you've said sorry. A uh, middle thing. I, you've said I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you. Hold there. If you are pleased with me, fine. Is God pleased with you this evening? Yes. Absolutely. That's not a yes or no thing. It's a yes. Why is he pleased with you? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. When he does stuff well, he thinks fantastic. And brilliantly done. I mean, when we do stuff wrong, he says, come on, let's start again. Moses knew that. Moses doesn't say, Moses sort of, he says, if you are pleased with me. He's not actually confident here, but he sort of knows it. But then he says this, teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Whoa. Moses wants to know God's presence more. But what he asks is, teach me your ways. He doesn't ask us initially to see God or see more. What he asks is, tell me about yourself. And that's one of the important ways we meet people and make friends with people in everyday life. We talk to them about what they're doing. We take an interest in them. We learn about them. Part of desiring the presence of God is being willing to be teachable, to push in. You, you, can't, you cannot, in a sense, have more of God in you than you do when you first become a Christian. You can't, in a way, ever become more a Christian than when you first become a Christian. Is Holy Spirit in you? Yes. You can't be more of him. But what can happen is we can know and understand more of who God is and therefore get more of what that means. You'll never get to the end of understanding who God is. There's no limit to that. There is a limit to how much maths and physics you can learn, unfortunately. But there's no limit to how much you can know about God. Sorry, Laurie? I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no limit to how much you can know about God. And so there's always more. When I say about desiring his presence and pushing in, part of that is, Lord, tell me more about yourself. I want to see more about the way you are. You're a loving, faithful God. Show me more of how that works. Part of desiring the presence, part of wanting to feel more of God's presence is just being willing to learn more. And that comes partly from reading the Bible. It comes from praying. It comes from walking with God and seeing what he does. A lot of it's experiential that sense, you do stuff, and you say, Lord Jesus, help me here, and you see what happens. You think, oh, that's what happens. That's how God works. That's why we share testimony in church. It's really important to share testimony about how God's worked in other people's lives. Remember, he said, Jesus, Moses says, this nation is your people. I love that. (laughs) Moses has been told to lead the people, and Moses says, look, I, I I need some more of you. Teach me your ways. But remember, these are your people. It's your problem, God, not mine. <laughs> right? I love that. And remember, Laurie, these are God's people, not yours. And remember, remember that God's on your side. And that sometimes stuff God calls us to do, God's in charge. There are times when I know I, God's asked me to speak to someone about being a Christian, about Jesus. And I try and do that faithfully. But in the end, it's God's responsibility, not mine. I pray for my kids and my grandkids. I want them to follow Jesus. But in the end, it's God's responsibility, not mine. In the end, he's the one with the power. Amen? I pray for this church that may witness to Jesus and grow. But in the end, it's God's responsibility, not mine. Remember, remember, he tells God, just in case you've forgotten, God, remember, this is your problem, not mine. I'm going to do, you told me to do this stuff, but you're the one who does stuff. Next, go on, pull. Whoever's doing it. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Two things there. My presence will go with you. I've just said that's what we have as Christians. And I will give you rest. Rest here means that sense of not being bowed down by stuff. It's this whole shalom, the peace thing, the whole completeness where we know that we're loved by God and that we can walk with him and we haven't got to do it all ourselves. Sometimes, in trying to be a Christian, it feels like you're pushing uphill the whole time. And it shouldn't be like that. But that's because His presence is with us. Next verse Moses says, I love this too. If your presence does not go with us, do not turn us off and keep going. If your presence, How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth except your presence? It's the presence of God in the people of Israel in Moses that distinguishes them from the Amorites and the Paganites and all the other Pites. It's the presence of God in the people of Jesus in the Christians that distinguishes them. People may not see that, but that's a distinguishing mark. It's not... How we behave, it's not whether we, you know, do bad stuff with drugs or whatever. It's not how we whether we swear or use good language. That's not what makes us a Christian. The mark is God's presence, the presence of his Holy Spirit. For the people of Israel, they had a physical mark, so circumcision. The mark in the New Testament is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the critical thing. And he goes on. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you ask. Well, and what's he asked? What has he asked so far? If you've got the Bible in front of you, you've got ten seconds to read back. Go back and find what he actually asked. What did he ask? What did he ask so far? Because when God says, I will do the thing you have asked, presumably God knows what he asked. What does he ask? I think there's two things, isn't there? Do you know what they are or not? You're going to be kind to tell me or not? No? Unless you go with us. Okay. Unless you go with us, we can't do anything. Yeah. Okay. One thing he asks is that unless you go with us, not good. That's someone asking, isn't it? God, you've got to go with us. God says, "Kosovo, my people." I think he also asks before that about where's he gone. What else he asked him? Mm, two yeah. Oh, yeah. Tim's found question marks. They're really good, that's it. Before that, I think they're for that. I think he asked them, Teach me your ways, doesn't he? Doesn't he ask, Teach me your ways? Isn't that a question? Yeah. Teach me your ways. I want to know about you. Okay, so far, so good. Moses got a big job. Moses wants to know God. Moses has said, look, I need someone to help me, but God doesn't actually answer that directly, I don't think. And then he says, teach me your way so I know you. And then he says, I want your presence to go with us. And God says, yeah, I'll do those things. And then Moses has the cheek to go further. And there's something, the next verse, read it on. Read it on yourself, put it on the screen. That's it. I don't think this is part of the deal. I think this is really a bit cheeky. Do you know what I mean by that? He knows God. He's asked God this stuff. God said he'll go with him. God says his prince will be there. He'll give him rest. And then Moses says, now show me your glory. Moses, I think here, and this is my personal view, okay? I think this is where Moses says, I just need, I just need that sense of your absolute power. Because it's a tough job and you show me your glory I don't think that's in a sense part of the normal deal I think the normal deal is this God's going to go with his people he's called Moses to do it he'll be with him he'll give him rest he'll teach him he'll lead him he'll talk to him day by day we know that it goes on God speaks to him on day by day basis and that's for us too we're given God's presence his Holy Spirit lives in us we can talk to Jesus anytime. time. The only thing that stops you talking to Jesus is whether you bother doing it. It's doesn't matter whether you spend time doing it. His presence will go with you because that is what it is. Because, because as you follow Jesus, his presence is in you. And he will teach you as long as you try and learn more and you put some effort in on your side, he'll teach you continually more and more. I've been trying to do this stuff for like years, 50 odd years. And every time I look at this stuff, I find more stuff. Because there's more about God. But this bit goes a bit further. And it's not sometimes not sometimes wrong to push it a bit with God. I don't think there's a bit in the line of the witch in the wardrobe, there's a bit, actually it was in heaven admittedly, where, where one of them asks a question and they say, Is that a wrong thing to ask? And then says you can't ask wrong questions. And I think there's something here about that. Now, you may ask things that really you can't God can't give you now. But there's a sense, I think, as God's children, nothing we can't say, Lord, I just need a bit more here. I want to see your glory. Moses, do you know what you're asking for? This is the this is the God who created the cosmos, who made ten thousand million stars in ten thousand million galaxies, who made the whole thing. This is the this is the, you're asking to see his glory? That's gonna blow your mind. And I think in a way, Moses is a bit pushing it here but what did God say? go on God sort of does it this is the next bit is one of the bits in scripture I really don't get sorry? I just don't get it at all I think what God's doing here is saying, look, where are you at, Moses? Where where, where we are in developing my experience with the people of Israel and so whatever, you you can't get the fact that I'm the cosmic God. You have no idea how many thousands of billions of stars there are and how massive it is. You've no idea of the size of Almighty God. Your, Your view is far too small. But for you, I will do something that in your understanding so far shows you the glory of God. And God says this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and you will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I have mercy on who will have mercy, and I have compassion on who will have compassion. That's the name. Keep going. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. I'll put you in a cleft of the rock, and I'll put my hand over you as I go past. Can you see my back, but not my face? What's that about? God hasn't got a back and a face, has he? God is almighty, he's a spirit. Jesus says, you know, it's worship in spirit and in truth. But for Moses, that's what he needs at the moment. At this point, he desires God's presence. He wants to know more. And he just needs a real sense of encouragement because it's a tough thing he's going to do and it's going to get worse. I'm going to stop because I won't go too long. And Johnny, yeah, come, get ready, Johnny. We're going, get, we're going to land here. If you go on to read 34, if you go home tonight, read the chapter. And in chapter 34, this happens. Moses goes up the mountain and God passes by him. And what that really means, I don't know. Goodness knows what it looked like. But a sort of apparition of God, a, a, a demonstration of God's glory, passes by Moses. And as God goes past, he puts his hand over his eyes so he doesn't see his face. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that brilliant? Do you want that? I sort of do. And sometimes, but for us, it won't be that. Do you, you get it? The first bit's everybody. We get that God's presence, amen, everybody. We get to learn about God. And the more we learn about God, the more we understand about him. and the, it, it, Loads of stuff, but this bit's special. But sometimes it's okay to say, Lord, I just need more here. Because God loves you. And at times, for me, a couple of times, actually, when I really needed God, do something special for me just to feel that sense of his presence. His presence is always there. And even when these things happen, these special moments, when you sense his glory, he's no more with you than he was before or after because he's always with you. But just sometimes those things happen. And for us sometimes in, as Christians, they happen in worship. Sometimes there are times in worship when we sense God's glory. For me it's never a picture. For me it's never a, a sort of vision in that sense. It's just an, an overwhelming sense of God's presence with me. And I guess that's what encounters about really. Desiring the presence of God. We'll start off by standing, please. Generally during worship you can do what you like, you can stand, you can sit. You can lay on the floor, you can dance, you can move around. It's all cool. And say again, if people have words, be open to the Holy Spirit. If you have words for people, feel free to share them. If they're for everybody, please pass them by Laurie or me first before you do. But if they're for individuals, that's actually fine. John is going to lead us in worship. And like I say, just be free and relaxed. Father, we come into your presence, the presence of almighty, loving God we thank you God your presence is absolutely real this evening absolutely real with each one of us and we know father sometimes just come just say sorry for the fact that often we ignore that and sometimes we go our own way and despite that we know you love us we're like hiding a corner away from you But Father, this evening, this space, Lord, show us your glory. Lord, we know your presence, but show us your glory. Break out, God, in this place. We may see more of you. We may know more of you. We may understand more of you. We may serve you more. Show us your glory.